This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Ford and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Boys and girls, gather around for the next episode of This Life. Shelly Sprague in for Bob Forrest. Hello. Hey there. I, I just, I was laughing to myself because what people don't know is before the uh, mics heated up, my wife goes, our producer, Shelly, use that voice again. <laughs> use that announcer voice. I'm going to use that announcer voice this entire segment. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then we're going to reevaluate. All right. So, of course, Shelly and I worked together for years at uh, Las Encinas Hospital. And then you know her from Celebrity Rehab. And, um, and now you're t- – talk about your program right now. My program now is – I have two programs. I have one uh, detox, residential, sort of brief intervention, you know, quick detox, and then going back to uh, IOP, intensive outpatient. Then I have an intensive outpatient program that we step down into outpatient program. It's primarily uh, substance abuse, mental health, uh, young adults, 18 to 30. This is all one program? This is all so one program. Yeah. Yes, and it's called Core. Um, Core is uh, is uh, right there in Hollywood. It's actually um, Johnny Depp's old production building. Oh wow! That we're up in there, and it's uh, we have 130 patients right now. Wow! Yeah. At some level of care. At some level of care. How, how many exactly. the inpatient side? I only have six beds there. I don't know if you know this about California, but they've limited inpatient uh, detox uh, to six beds. They won't. They won't license any more than that. What? I know. It's very strange. Oh, my God. Yes. It's very odd. Oh, lost. This is life. Uh, and so. then the other program? The other program is we have um, everyone's just residing in sober livings or residing at home um, and coming in for three hours. We have three tracks, morning, afternoon, and evening. Is that in the in the Bel Air area? No, that's in the Melrose district, right? Uh, it's literally on Sweetser and Melrose upstairs. Um, we have a quite a great space there. And, um, you know, we have clinical people. We have operations So that, that place where I everything. spoke, you're not working over there anymore at all? No, we, we merged that program into the other program because we had two programs. We had the Bel Air program and then we had the core program right. in Melrose. And then what we ended up doing was merging those two programs put together. Put them all in the bigger space. Yeah, yeah. So we were running out of space yeah. and over in Bel Air. Well, joining us today is a special guest, Amber Portwood from 16 and Pregnant, Team Mom OG, and is currently on Merit Boot Camp. Amber, welcome. Hi. Hey. Hi, Hi, Andrew. Hi, guys. Hello. So you and Matt went to marriage boot camp? Yes, we did. How'd we it go? did. How'd it go? Um, it was my escape. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I think it went well, honestly. Um, I personally had my chance to get rid of uh, something that felt so toxic and, and horrible in my life at the moment. And you know, it was a, but it also was a really hard experience with me and my mother as well. And, you know, so it was more than just me and Matt. Um, so I actually got good out of it though. Be honest with you. It might not look like it if you watch it, Well, they <laughs> but I actually, you know, they, I actually got some good out of it. They, they edit it how they edit it. You know how it goes. Yeah. They, they love their drama, but I mean, honestly, um, you know, it was a hard time in my life. So, 
I, I don't put out any excuses, you know? Yeah. So that's just the way it was then. You can follow Amber, real Amber Portwood one underscore on Instagram, Amber Portwood official on Facebook and Amber L Portwood on Twitter, right? Yes. All that right. <laughs> and uh, follow me. well, talk to us about the baby. That's the latest thing in your life. Oh my gosh. I am blessed. Honestly, my, uh, my beautiful son just turned one years old on the eighth. Um, I can't believe it. It's already been a year. Uh, and you know, I, it's been a blessing that because I feel like I never really got that chance to be a hundred percent, uh, a mother in a, in a way. And this is my, my chance at really showing people that, uh, today I am a different person today. I do parent differently. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm also a lot older, more mature and, you know, life changes in, in a matter of 10 years. Cause that's how old, uh, uh, beautiful Leah is. She's 10 years old. And, um, you know, I, I'm just happy that I actually waited that long to have another child with a, with a great man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think Shelly would be interested. In, Amber has a real dramatic story around her opiate use where, yeah. where there was a domestic violence charge. And we'll talk a little bit okay. about yeah. domestic violence because it's important that we wanted to get that topic up uh, and up. Uh, yeah, and now. Okay. But, but your, right. your story is, I think Shelly would find this very interesting. You know, t- talk to us about, you know, how you finally ended up going to prison. Um, so I was an addict for about, I think, seven years at that time already. I had been an addict since I was, um, a teenager, honestly. Uh And I had, uh, horrible anger issues as well. Um, I was on many different, uh, psychiatric pills along with, you know, opiates and drugs, um, of any sorts, um, that probably led also to, you know, the anger and all these, you know, uh, weird emotions I was going through at the time. And, you know, there was just a day uh, I I woke up and I realized um, either it would be committing suicide or it would turn into I would have to put myself into prison. And of course, um, you know, the first thing I did is I tried to, you know, commit suicide. I tried to take Suboxone, lots of them too. But, um, you know, thank God that uh, I'm still alive. And Yeah, it's hard to do- overdose okay. on that. But, okay. but you also told yeah, me... Yeah, I know. Me, you, you, told you know, me that's a- the only thing I could get my hands on that wouldn't show up unless you labbed it when I was in drug court. Okay. So gotcha. uh, I thought I was being smart. <laughs> okay. You know okay. what I mean? Well, that's, uh, that, that's that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah. I know. Well, I'm but, actually uh, glad that to, you, yeah, you we, tried to do that with Suboxone. Yeah, we're happy you did it with Suboxone. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I mean, to see that you're here, right. But but right. You, you told me a dramatic um, story of being in the bathroom and sucking on uh, fentanyl patches. I mean, oh, yeah, so that's oh, where goodness. I was heading. I guess I should, have, I should say that part. Thanks, Dr. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, – so before that, um, I – was in drug court and it was to help us, you know, it was a program that was supposed to help us into changing our lives. And I wasn't getting the memo apparently. Okay. Um, I was, <laughs> you know, I was it. going, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I would be going to do my P test with a, a fentanyl patch in my, the side of my mouth. Cause they didn't swab your mouth or anything like that. And once again, it was something that it's you had a lab up. for. Yeah. Um, and pop. many people were doing it actually in the program. Um, but I was just on another level with it. I didn't care. And it was horrible. It was absolutely ludicrous to the point that, you know, I one day was at my grandparents' house and I was laying on the floor just kind of foaming out of the mouth when I woke up and I just didn't know I had been in there for hours, um, honestly. And I just kind of passed out and fell on the floor, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
um, I, I decided then, you know, that I needed to do something. And I ended up going to one of my court uh, dates and I told them that I wanted to opt out of drug court and put myself into prison because I felt like the programs, if I was on the outside, uh, weren't going to help me because I was just too bullheaded. Sure. sure. Um, well, you also were, you, you, uh, she was convinced she was going to die at that point too, rightfully. Well, right. yeah, yeah. Rightfully so, rightfully yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I honestly thought, you know, in my mind that, you know, you're not you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not even trying to change your life. Um, you know, what kind of intervention do you honestly need? You're not listening to your family. And, you know, I eventually just took it upon myself. Something inside of me just said, Amber, like, you need to get the hell up and figure out what you're doing. And, you know, when I woke up after the Suboxone incident and I was still alive, um, you know, I was like, I really need to make a change because in my mind, I didn't know that it was hard to overdose on Suboxone. <laughs> um, I wasn't, uh, right. I wasn't, I don't, I, I don't want anybody to try, but I'd say it just, I did not know. Um, but, uh, you know, thank God that didn't happen. And I, I did spend 18 months, 17, 18 months in prison, but, um, I did, uh, the cliff program, which really, uh, so turned had my a life program around. It was, in prison. it was an unbelievable program. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause I'm like, yeah. well, prison could go, Two ways. Here's what I was. I was willing to. Uh, I was willing to go through whatever was coming my way, though. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't care at that moment. Obviously, you know, when you get to the point of suicide, you just you yeah. don't really start to care about what's going on. Of uh, course, of course. In your life, but you try to think of you know what's the last resort. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that would be prison. I feel like on on Earth um, or anything of that sort. That would be so last, I had to do something. Resort. Yeah, right. and she did, and she Which, engaged actively in the actively program. Actively in the program. Oh yeah, she ended up becoming a yes, peer counselor and stuff. I was. Um, yeah, I, I taught anger management to 150 women. Perfect. Um, I also was the head facilitator after I graduated the program for the whole entire program. Uh-huh. Um, and I also, uh, it's kind of like being a, a principal of a school or of some sorts. You know, I, I know the feeling, would take yeah. teachers in the program and I would put them in the classes and have the notes ready for them. And yeah. um, I did it with a couple other yeah. Yeah. people. And yeah. Okay. It was it was it was remarkable. That's- I went and visited her in in prison. Yes, and it was which was amazing. It was I, I was so I was below. Uh, first of all, my first thing out of my mouth was California sucks. California this, sucks. This was because <laughs> yes. this was in Indiana, uh-huh. and, and I was like, oh uh-huh. my god, you can do effective drug treatment in, in prison sure. if yes. somebody funds it, operates it, puts in. it together. I and it that was is amazing. It was a phenomenal. Yeah, like, and that I, is I, didn't, I was blo- I did not expect it when I got there. I was blown away what I saw, and uh, talked to some of the clinical and and PO type people there. Uh-huh. Yeah, Th- what she's reporting is exactly what happened. And uh, <laughs> well, what yeah. a little miracle yeah, that is! Promise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I honestly feel like if we had more programs like that, and in uh, most of our prison systems, that uh, we would have a much higher rate of success with women and men who are coming out with a drug addiction of 100%, not coming back. A hundred percent. Do you do you stay in touch with anyone that you counseled or anything? I from? I do. I stay in touch with my best friend and my my we call it Bunky. Uh. <laughs> um, that was actually a head facilitator as well. We talk all the time and. Um, you know, she's still one of my really good friends. Um, yeah. So I, I never left and just forgot, Yeah, you know, I feel like, um, when you're in a program like that and inside those walls, you really have this sisterly kind of love and family. We spent Thanksgivings together, Christmases, birthdays together. So, 
um, you know, it's hard to just forget the, those beautiful people, especially, you know, um, Nicole, who was my friend, she, uh, she was a beautiful person and, uh, she was hard. She was hardcore, but sure. she she was a head facilitator, and she really got people to do their work. So it was it was great. <laughs> Nicole was also a prisoner, or was she one of the staff? She was. No, she was a she was my bunkie. She was a prisoner, but she was above me in the ranks of uh, graduating. Got it. Um, so she was kind of like a mentor to me slash friend as well. But I mean, think about the um, program. They designed it so the the, the women became men develop mentorships. Well, it's that's perfect. the way it works. I know, because that's the only thing that works because first of all, you're not going to listen to people who've never been where you've been because right. you have that very right. special feeling that you're very special and you <laughs> right. don't have, right. you don't believe that anybody else has been through. It's a defense mechanism. We talked about yeah. it earlier, but the defensiveness is like no one can help me if they haven't understood it. Although we know that physicians um, don't get, you know, all cancer. the illnesses yeah. they treat no. uh, and they're they're right. they're great at doing the the treatment as well, but we're a very special breed um, of people who need to be perfectly understood, not just somewhat understood. <laughs> we need to be perfectly understood, and then we and then we have to be in the right place to have wide open minds and ears and ready right. to act immediately differently. And those things yeah. have to come together. And I think that obviously incarceration could promote those things if they were given enough funding. And I think that it's such yes. a miracle that you were able to go in and you were able to f um, find this type of program. California used to have them. They used to have them. They don't have them anymore. Never, and they were never this good. They, they were always. Oh, I'm sure. This yeah. was a central feature of their whole operation. It's Indiana. That's amazing. It would, I mean, it's, it's a, it would be a dream to have a program like this in every in every prison. But honestly, you know, it's just not possible. Um, and, and that's just the, the hard reality of it. Well, you know, I'm you silly can enough do... to think that it is possible. It's just that, well, that it's, the it's, resources it's possible, have to but be it's generated. Hard. Mm -hmm. The money, the money that you need for programs like this is yeah. just not ready, readily available. Um, you know, it was something that actually I feel I think that they had to raise the money through awareness, actually, uh, for the program that I was in. So I really wish that there was more programs like this in, in the prisons that people uh, were aware of, because, yeah. you know, I try to do my part, but I can only do so much on my platform to, you know, make people aware of, of course, the, the program of course. And oh, programs was, like this and like yours. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would hope that one day it would be like that for a majority of I have always systems. thought we need to change the way that we do diversion out here. It's called diversion, drug court, that kind of thing. I've always thought that we needed to have a portion of drug diversion where the, you went inpatient yeah. for a period of time no shorter than 90 mm. days so that you could actually get your feet mm -hmm. under you and start to develop uh, uh, strategies program, for you yeah. dealing with, uh, you know, right. what, what ensues after you stop using California is so big. It's just too big. It's yeah, right. county, county, county. Oof. Yeah. The number one thing to do is just to keep trying and keep moving, and uh, people like us to use our platforms for good and to try to get more exposure for it. More, more, um, more people today are, are putting more money into these programs because of stories like like mine and other people um, that are that are sharing theirs as well and programs um, outside of prison as well though I think it's a very big issue because you need to follow up with the treatment when you when you get out of prison so you know there's two different things that you have to kind of tackle there I feel like and there's a lot of support with NA groups and things like that and I think there could be more support um, 
when it comes to, because when I got out, I was a violent felon. So I wasn't able to go to halfway houses and things like 100%. that. Percent. Um, big. And I, w- I wish there was more things like that. No, does, we, doesn't Amber look like so. a dangerous threat to other patients? I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? It's so silly. No, it's so silly. And, and you know, I really would love to put together um, – we have this idea to do um, vocational for people who oh, have yeah. felonies because so many people have felonies and do vocational um, rehab yeah. and get them jobs. Like I want to start like a coffee shop or like kind of like Homeboy Productions did. So, so let me explain what that is. Amber, it's a, it's a it's a bakery downtown Los Angeles for uh, essentially a lot of drug addicts in there, but, but mostly recovering gang members. It's it's, it's oh, run, wow. run by mm-hmm. one sort of figurehead. Uh, what's his name? Father? Yeah, I'm not sure. Cameron's a great guy, and uh, he takes these men in and puts them to work. And uh, now homeboy, that's one of the biggest problems yeah. is is employment wow. post felony. Um, and I want to do something around where we have programs that people go through so that they the other can thing we've done work. In California, we've made nothing. Everything that's nothing's perfect. A felony anymore. That's so great because they don't know how to work. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll tackle one thing at a time. All right, one thing at a time. Um, right, but, right. But I. Stepping for Bob there. But in in this this aspect of of having um, life after a felony, um, especially around drug addiction, you know, you're gonna. I committed felonies. Uh, that's just part of kind of what happens when you're addicted to yeah. a substance and you're enslaved to it. And what I'd like to do is have places where people can work and that they're provided levels of support to go to meetings, to have their recovery, to seek out their their special help that they need, and then also let them develop and build skills so that they can be a working part of society or or they can learn yeah. skills to move forward in their life. So because that pit of getting hopeless around getting a job because you don't because you have a felony on your record and people won't hire you, there's got to be a way where yeah. we we can develop those types of programs. That's so amazing that you're doing things like that. I mean, uh, and just fighting for it. Uh, I, I, I am. I, if I can do anything to help, I mean, with my platform, just let me know. Honestly, I'd love to As help you in that, any way. No, yeah, working on honestly, her social media and her platform. I am working on my platforms, um, but <laughs> but I appreciate your story. I appreciate you, and I think yeah. that um, you know your success story is wonderful and brilliant. Oh, thank you. Thank so you so much. So let's 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 get back to domestic violence a little bit. That that was the violent felony, right? Was it domestic violence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, domestic violence. Um, for some odd reason, the other fights never brought me to jail, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, I mean, I, I had, yeah, I had a possession, I had, you know, domestic violence, um, you know, I was just fighting, uh, I think all the time back then, uh, but you know, it's, so it's really hard when you, when you're trying to get out and change your life and you not only are, you know, a felon, but you also have, uh, you know, a, you're a violent felon. Um, you know, it's, uh. It is extra, a little bit more hard, but sure. I think uh, people work um, and look for the right programs, like ones that she's talking about, which is amazing, and um, that, you know, the, there is help out there. Um, you know, you just have to find it. Yeah, we so have to access it. Let, but let's, let's talk about domestic violence more specifically, because uh, that has come up a bit on some of the threads, at, uh, particularly Team Mom 2 and you know, old days in Team Mom mm-hmm. OG. And what, what, where should we, you know, how, how do we gain or help people understand how dangerous this becomes, the sort of spectrum of what is involved in domestic violence. I mean, a lot of people, 
you know, there's a lot of emotional abuse these days that people don't understand is also... Can we take a break before we go on? Okay, we'll take a little break. All right, so the producer says take a break. We're with Amber Portwood, Teen Mom, and we'll be back after this. Let's talk about CBD. It's, of course, everywhere today. It's a hot topic, and I get asked about it all the time. Bottom line, although there are way more claims, there is very little clinical evidence just yet. The science is lagging behind, but many people are using it and reporting anecdotally very good results. I want to first define exactly what we're talking about here. CBD or cannabidiol is an extract from hemp. And while you might associate it with marijuana, CBD is the non-high, non-rewarding component of hemp. And it's responsible for other effects, calming, sleep, not high. Now, about the products. There are a ton of them out there today. Forget the vast array of reported health benefits. It's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards. No hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is clearly described to you so you can make an informed decision without promises that seem too good to be true. Like I said, the reported benefits of CBD are compelling, and I'm excited to see how things develop with the science as this booming industry gets going. So if you want to try CBD, you might check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash select. That is my site, drdrew.com slash S-E-L-E-C-T. For a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with the code DRDREW. We are back with Amber Portwood. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter, Amber L. Portwood, uh, and uh, Instagram, Amber Amber Portwood Real one Amber underscore. Portwood on... <laughs> it, yes. Last time I saw you was on Instagram. You were having an outburst, by the way. Oh, I'm sure I was. That's where I usually do all my outbursts. It seems like I can't. I can never do it alone I, I anymore. Rem- I have to. I have to show a million people. I can't remember who uh, it was no. like, with. Was it a, who who you were involved with at that point? Was it Janelle? Um. I mean, yeah, there was a a lot of stuff that I was seeing going on that uh, obviously, you know, I had been through before. I could see the signs of it. And apparently I was right. Um, You know, I just saw a lot of signs of uh, of abuse in every aspect with her and her her kids. And, um, you know, I'm not one to keep my mouth closed on situations like that, especially somebody that's in my own franchise that I'm, I'm a part of. Um, you know, with everybody else, I, I feel I've just felt this need to really get it in her head, uh, you know, what exactly was happening around her, because I just felt like she was being uh, like brainwashed in a sense from uh, from the person she was with. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really sad how everything has uh, came uh, to an end, you know, the way that it has. And um, but I can't say that I didn't see this coming, um, you know, through people's actions, you know, I'm, I'm not one to say much, but I, I feel like you have to change your actions in order to, uh, to keep, uh, to move forward. And that's just something that wasn't happening. Um, but, uh, well, let's, let's talk about domestic abuse generally. I mean, for, for instance, you know, the effects on kids is something that people don't understand. I don't think. And I, I was working mm-hmm. for a domestic violence organization, domestic abuse, uh, it was essentially a women's shelter and treatment center. Mm-hmm. And the, the director there was saying, you know, one, they have an aphorism that the kids that are exposed to domestic abuse or domestic violence, of course, are more likely to act engage, it out, engage sure. it themselves mm-hmm. or, or seek people that engage that, in that, that. bring that up bring for that, them. Bring it back out again. Sure. But they, yeah. they had a little aphorism that the females became warriors and the males became warriors. Okay. So the males become 
violent themselves, and, the, and the females turn it inward, and they get anxiety and depression. Hmm. Anxiety and depression, yeah. and and then also that that anxiety and depression then leads to this explosiveness when you can't take it anymore, right? right. Once you're you're pushing it down, you're pushing it down, internalizing, you're internalizing in, in, a, in a relationship, in now. a relationship yeah. with someone who's who's basically pushing your buttons or or activating mm-hmm. you, and you're trying to keep from exploding or putting you know your hands or throwing something you you're you're repressing everything and then it becomes like a springboard and then all of a sudden it's out of control sound familiar hey oh yeah that's uh that's to a t um you know i i definitely felt like that um everything was uh, internalized and i i never really talked to anybody about any problems that i was going through and or um and even though they were asking me over and over and over again, you know, are you okay? What's going on? You know, you just don't, uh, you don't really want to talk about things with people when you're in that state of mind. Um, you know, and I felt like it always exploded into something and I, I, I always got physical and I, and honestly at the time I didn't understand why I always became physical until I went to prison and found out that anger is a secondary emotion. Right. And I understood that underneath it was frustration and, Dear. I was scared and, yes. you know, there was many other things that had to, had to do with it. So, um, you know, I think back in the day, I just, uh, didn't know how to express it other than, uh, than anger. I did not express my emotions in a healthy way, well, uh, Amber, which seems to be a big problem with so many people today. Oh my, yes. Were you, was anybody, did anybody model any other different types of behaviors for you while you were a child? You know, it, it was always um, some sort of argument every day. Yeah. Um, however, you know, I had a very hardworking parent, mm-hmm. but it was there was always some sort of chaos sure. going on in the home. I felt like, or or something I that uh, you know, it just even as a little child, I could feel this uh, kind of like a scared or bad energy, yeah, and something was going on, and not understanding yeah. Yeah. what it yeah. was. Um, so I just think that I kind of carried that all the way through, you know, until I was an adult and I was just practicing the same things that I saw my parents doing, yep. of course. Um, you know, which didn't help, of course. Um, well, yeah, but, you know, they, they, they were hardworking parents and they mm-hmm. tried, but, uh, you know, they just weren't. Of course. Um, always, you know, just always fighting that type of household. So yeah. I definitely see how that affected me, you know, throughout my life and how that that affects people and their lives, you know, being in that same situation. And, and let's sort so. of qu- clarify, it's, it's not okay that the, that the children are exposed to this, but forgiveness no. is forgiveness is the way through. Of course, so you can forgive and be and understand, and it still not have been okay. But right, you can forgive right. and understand. And I think that that's the difficult part of talking about something like this when you feel like you don't want to betray your family because they did care for you, they love you, they took care of you, they did the best they mm-hmm. could, just like my family did the best that they could. But they weren't given the tools to be able to manage life as it was in progress either. So, you know, they were as right. victimized as, as I was in the way that they were taught to manage things. And, right. and unfortunately, it just doesn't promote a level of security and safety in your own household. And when you don't have that, you go out into the world and then nothing is safe. Because if, you're, mm-hmm. if your core family is not safe, then what is safe? And we come right. out fighting, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to fight. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's more of a scared kind of feeling that I – that. Uh, I think that we can sense sometimes, you know, growing up in situations like that. It's exactly. like, it's like you said, we always 
this uh, fight, uh, what is it, fight or flight fight or type fight. of situation that we feel, you know, almost 24-7. And anytime that any argument, we can't have a healthy argument with people. Or we don't know how to have a healthy argument with people. It's something that we need to learn ourselves as adults. Um, you know, so it was always just, you know, fight or flight kind of instinct until I actually, you know, I, I feel like we can find out how to be, uh, you know, healthy adults and, and argue. Because I can argue with Andrew now. But it's it. I don't have to hit him. I don't have to get so emotional that I'm I'm bursting in tears. It's over something that's so small. Um, but it was something that I had to learn. And I feel that people that grew up in the situations we grew up in um, probably have to you know teach themselves as well and go get help for. Definitely um, because I didn't do it myself. It. Of course, getting help for it and re remodeling the way that we interact with the people that we love the people that we care about. Um, were you ever abandoned? So you felt like you couldn't have a healthy argument with someone without them leaving yeah. you or harming you? You know, I, there was, um, you know, I had a lot of resentment towards my mom for many, many years when she ended up getting a boyfriend after my father. And I felt, I think that's just because, you know, even though you live in a hostile kind of environment, you still don't want your parents to necessarily get a divorce. Sure. Um, you know, so I think I just felt a little abandoned when mm -hmm. she kind of moved to the next man and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, I felt like my father was abandoned as well because yeah. he was sick and an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, that's always been an issue, I think throughout my life, sure. um, you know, so I tend to hold on to men a little more extra than I think the average woman would in a mm -hmm. sense. Um, but, you know, I can't say thank God today uh -huh. I've learned to see that. And I, I've actually been able to be in a healthy relationship now. And I just want other people to understand that they can do that as well. You know, it's just, it took me a lot of therapy. It took a psychiatrist. It took a lot of help. Um, it just wasn't me to get to where I'm at in, in that sense. So, yeah, um, you know, I just hope that people, you know, get help if they're in that situation or feel that way. This is the part that I find very frustrating with the uh, reality show, which is that Amber, let's just say Amber, for instance, mm -hmm. working very hard, getting a lot of different kinds of therapies and treatments and this and that. And if she engages in some behavior that's a manifestation of her previous conditions, that, of course, ends up on the show. Uh -huh. And then, right. then she's supposed to magically just get well. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> tell Amber not to do that, and she'll right. never do that again. Yeah, very and, unrealistic and expectations very unrealistic of, of, of First of all, not, under, not understanding they're seeing an ice pick in time of some of a giant life. Yeah. And then yeah. not understanding that the therapeutic process is involved and takes time and multiple modalities. I think it's about 10 time. years, yeah. isn't it? Yes, <laughs> I think yes. it's about yeah. 10 years of therapy yeah. before you can really, before you really have distress tolerance, yeah. resiliency. You're able to sit with your feelings. You don't act out. You're able to eat properly, sleep properly. I mean, these, all of these things yeah. play a huge role in our behaviors. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I the eye, things that I, I've, man. I've done to try to change, you know, what Dr. Drew is talking about. And, you know, it, it's still hard because like he says, I, I just like a lot of people that's been in the same situation, you kind of sometimes go back to where you were. We get and then after, of course, yeah. of course, <laughs> of course. And then afterwards, you know, you, even though that you made, let's say you put on the, uh, you know, Instagram, I'm sorry for my actions or how I said it, you know, it's not necessarily the way that I meant it, but it, it's, I meant it in a certain, a loving way, but it comes off 
what I think tough love is the way to go. I believe, uh, I think maybe that's the problem, you know, cause I kind of was raised that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I have to remember that it's always not tough love. Like you have to change it up a little bit. And, um, let, let me, you let know, me, I do come me, off very, I will tell you, let me tell you, I think I know where you get in trouble. You can, uh, <laughs> you, you can be tough without being aggressive. And I think yes. for you, the two go together a bit and that's where right. people misinterpret what you're doing. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, when I try to uh, separate that and I'm able to do that, actually, you know, I get really mad at myself when I end up falling back into the same behaviors, yeah. um, the same do. patterns that I did before. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like you guys were saying, though, the only thing that we can do is to just keep, you know, it's, it's a never ending thing. You know, we just have to keep uh, working on ourselves and growing and, and getting help. And, and I think, uh, you know, I'm a lot better than I was 10 years ago. There you um, go. I'm a lot better sure. than before. Better. So, you, you know, and, yeah, but back to the domestic abuse stuff, and then women get caught in these domestic abuse situations. The cycle of abuse is addictive, mm-hmm. and so I it's know. a very I hard know. people to get at. She had I know. the producer I was in. It. Is you your mic on? Experienced it. You is you were I in. I think it? my mic's on. I don't know. Yeah, I did. I before Drew, I was in a very abusive relationship and came close to getting myself killed. And, oh my gosh! And somehow survived it, but it did give me the lowest self esteem that I ever had in my life. And yeah. And I was, it was really hard to get away from. I mean, if I hadn't met Drew, I don't know what would have happened. So, um, but I was at the tail end of that relationship anyways. I was trying to get out. To to move forward and get out of it. But it was, it was just so weird because he would just go off for no reason. And then I would find myself in this shock position where I didn't know what to do. And I wasn't really a fighter. Like I wish I had more Amber in me at that point (laughs) in my life because I didn't know what to do. And uh, I, you know, but finally at the end when I feared for my life, I, I started reacting and somehow that just pushed him away. It was just, it was so weird that I went through it for so long, (laughs) but, but, you know, I, I had to figure out, you know, how to rebuild my life. And, and I, everything was very hush hush. Like things weren't, they weren't no, spoken about. Nobody knew mm-hmm. about it. I was, I was alone. Um, one time, the only thing that happened where somebody actually probably had knew what was going on. My neighbors uh, set his car on fire the next day and tied oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah, like we're like we don't like this. Like get out of here, kind of thing. Let, okay. Let's not. Let's call that also dysfunctional. Sure. Another right. abusive, no, know, dysfunctional but, layer but, to the whole kinda, situation there. It kind of, I I remember that because I was like, well, why didn't somebody call the police? You know what I mean? Like, thanks, guys. Yeah, I, people don't want to get involved, and and being right. and the low self esteem that occurs, the subtle covert abuse that builds up over time that eradicates yourself mm-hmm. and your self esteem that makes you vulnerable to staying in a relationship with someone who is harming you emotionally or or then even harming you physically or intimidation Mm -hmm. these types of things are very very disruptive in our in our minds and our psyches especially as young women Mm -hmm. Um, we don't have the self-esteem we don't have the confidence yet to be able to stand up for ourselves yeah, I was like 22 years old. We're, young women are very very wow. vulnerable to this um, because we're trying to build our security and it all comes from that level of finding our community and security and if we right. hook up with these people that are very very destructive with themselves and then they basically get it all over the person they're with and it's so damaging yes. for us 
um, being on the other side of that, uh, cause I was the abuser at a point in my life with, um, with Gary, um, you know, I, everything that you say is just resonating through my body. Like it's, it's to a T I, you know, the way that I felt how the reasons why I felt like I was doing certain things. I mean, it's, uh, it's so crazy to hear it from, from another person in that kind of standpoint though. And, and, and also hearing like, you know, Susan speak about her, her, um, you know, horrible incidents. It's, um, you know, it's, it really, I, I like to show people though, that hopefully, you know, that people can change. Um, I mean, to a certain extent, obviously, um, but, uh, you know, people but can they change. Have to try. In that, but they have to get arrested. It's, it's hard though. Yeah. Um, it's well, this guy difficult. had already done it before to somebody else, which sure. I found out right. later. And I oh. was like, you know, I was 22. I was with him for a couple of years mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I was I didn't have a good picker at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I kept picking abusive people in my life. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of mm-hmm. experience um, picking abusive people um, and had that experience as well. The the one thing about me though is I would never ever tolerate anyone putting their hands on me, but right. I would always tolerate this covert and this sort of subtle. Um, control and subtle sort of maneuvering to create sort of an intimidation factor mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that I couldn't leave if, or I was going to be, you know, something was going to happen or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just this fear based sort of relational, you know, that did not promote either one of our growth or, or betterment. It was destructive regardless of if it was physical, it was still very emotionally destructive and it kept me from reaching my goals. And that's Mm. the thing that women need to understand about abuse either way is that that self-esteem keeps you from achieving to be the best you can be. And that's right. what we all deserve. We mm-hmm. all deserve to be the very best person that we can exactly. be. And we can't be bogged down with people not supporting us and to try to intimidate us into, you know, doing certain things that may be, you know, not in, for the betterment of our lives. I think if right. I had, had really been aware of the jealousy that was mm-hmm. going on in our relationship at the beginning, I could have gotten out sooner and I should have. Um, but also... Um, I always had a strong personality, but once I got into that, that repeat, you know, culture mm-hmm. of violence, I, it just, I don't know. It's just weird. It, it sucks your soul. You lose place in time and thank God I didn't have any kids. You know, At I can't time, imagine, yeah. you know, if oh I had kids, you know, I was so lucky, but, um, yeah, I just, I feel bad for women that go through this and especially if you're in the public eye too. And oh my God. people right. are watching, like I, I, when I see Janelle, I get really triggered. So, and I'm not trying to, you know, stir any shit or anything, but I just really want everybody to appreciate the fact that we don't know everything that's going on, you know, even Mm -hmm. though we think we do. And I I want safety to be key. But much like Amber's been engaged in active treatment and been changing and you don't, you don't see that on TV. If Janelle's household, there's social workers, therapists, all kinds of people involved. Because I know you and you tell me this and I'm glad to know that. And I know that. We're all here as a family trying to protect her. But I also think that this is not just her. It's also 
a million other people. Right. Millions yeah, of other people. Absolutely. And millions. Absolutely. It's, it's good that we're bringing it to attention because I always feel like everybody just is afraid to say anything about it or do anything. And they shouldn't because if you, if you stay quiet, then nothing, nothing will ever change. Um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I, I wished at the time that more people had said, uh, had said something, I think throughout the franchise, not the network itself, but like, um, you know, just some of the girls, um, that were a little bit closer to her than me, but, uh, you know, it just doesn't work out that way. Some, you know, no, you we're have all to be, afraid. sometimes yeah, you have afraid. to be the one to say something. Well, we don't want the so. gun pun- pointed at us either. So it's like, you right. Just, but on, on a, a, in a bigger picture, like if you look at the laws in certain cities and, and states, it's like, I mean, I was saying, you know, Amber went to jail because you turned yourself in, right? But it also, yeah. Uh, but most men get away with murder before they get jailed because right. they can't really do anything for the woman until, you know, the, unless she she calls the police. But if she's already knocked right. out, there's not a whole lot she can do, you know. But it's like you can you can cry over and over and 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 have disputes, you know, taken care of, but they can't really put the person in jail and do anything. I don't, I mean, I don't know how it is now, but in the old days when I was going through this, it was a lot harder. Well, it's a bit different now. Being a mandated reporter of these types of things, I I have had to call in CPS and I've had to call Department of, you know, Family Service, Family and Child Services. And what ends up happening is that the, the difficult part is that I become the I become the problem. Right. Now, I was never the problem. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with the problem. But then everybody focuses mm. on me and as the, the problem. problem. Right. And then I'm mm. saying, I am trying to help you not harm your children further, not harm each other further. And now I've become, in this dysfunction, now I've become the enemy and the one well, that right. they, to they, be. They, it, there is, is, it's almost like a cult of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that you know you're, you're either all in or all out, and so if right. you're out, you, you know, then they circle the wagons and protect yes. themselves. And then that's what they end up doing, and then they end up demonizing me because I have stood up and said this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And then they want me to shut up so that they can continue in their dysfunction. Right. Exactly. Well, and then they want me to withdraw. Right. And and well, I if say well, or too. It's like you don't want to stand up and say, "Yes, no. take him to jail." No, he's going to change. I know he's going to change. And right. and I he he swore to me, he cried, you know, he oh, said, yeah. "I'm so sorry, I'm did so I'll sorry. never do it again." And it's like, "Okay, I'm not going to send you because when you know you can send somebody to jail, you have the power but when you're battered, you don't have the self-esteem to pull the trigger and And, let it happen. And that's where I come in, where I have the self-esteem to say, absolutely, no matter what, this is not okay. This is not going to be okay. And I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to hold your secret. Mm-hmm. I'm not going right. to be, I'm not going to let you guys be in secret damaging each other. Um, but oftentimes it has made it difficult to move forward in a relationship, you know, because it really th- then you become the targeted individual. Right, right. Um, and I've, I've had, you know, personal experiences. Yeah. I've had friends with personal experiences. It's rampant. Yes. I think it's really rampant and that we do need to And then to we're have like trying these- to help them. But like my parents didn't know what I was going through. Um, I told like his friends, you know, mm-hmm. he just, you know, he beat yeah. the shit, and they just kind of turned a blind wow. eye to it and said, "Yeah, whatever," and walked away. And mm-hmm. I would, it's just like you feel so Amber, helpless. They're calling you. 
Yeah. <laughs> the children are calling. calling so anyways, me. I don't want to go on about my thing, but I do feel like I know. Well, I appreciate laws, your, your your candid um story, I, I, Susan. I hear it all the time and I and the laws are just so not protective of women and I No, it's, it's anger management. You have to go to classes. But if there's domestic violence in California yes. at least, there's um both people go to jail for the most part these days. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's anger management classes and they cost money and you have to, you know, jump through these hoops and you have to show up and that's the best we can do right now. Unfortunately, it's not enough. It's not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Well, with the Me Too movement, maybe everybody will like start Uh like reporting it more and talking to each other. And And hopefully we can join together and, and not vilify the individuals who are obviously hurting because they are hurting people, but to get them the help that they need, that's Mm -hmm. the most important part. It doesn't do any good to put somebody in jail and then not treat them for what is going on with them. Exactly. Hurt people, hurt people. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. But I, I just hope that people can learn from Amber how she recovered from what she was going through and I, I'm yeah, just I, really I, proud I, of her I, yeah I, I'm proud of Amber too and I, I fear that people don't remember the whole story okay. because you gotta it's, go it's, back a lot of episodes it's quite dramatic <laughs> and it's quite substantial what she yeah. went through <laughs> you know it's it's inspirational I'm, I'm telling you oh, you know again. I I never thought in a million years that uh, my life would be inspirational but you know looking at everything that I've been through, I think that this is the time that I should take what I have been through and really use it to, to try to help people with what oh, I have. You must, you and, must, you know, I think, you, you know, just too fans. young to really see the big picture. You must have fans out there that let you know that yeah. your, your, your story is helpful for them, right? Uh-oh. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, many, many people. I've, I have, uh, I have uh, a lot of people that I've, I've, I've helped over, over the years for sure. And, um, you know, I, it makes me feel uh, amazing, actually. It does something for me as well, you know, when I'm able to help other people. Of course. Um, yeah, I you know, it's a beautiful thing, honestly. Even though you went through so much pain, it's, it's just a, it's such a beautiful thing to see how happy these people are to just talk to you and, uh, and to get things off their chest half the time, honestly. And, um, it's things that they've never said to their parents or their family before. And, you know, I, I, I love being that person to kind of help them through and guide them through those uh, tough times if I can. So <laughs> the audio is fighting great. us. It's so, yeah, so the Amber's, it's time to it's go. It's time to say goodbye. Our, our audio is breaking down. <laughs> um, what, what, the ghost is here. I'll see you in July. We're doing a reunion. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I will see you in July. Thank, Thank you guys for so much for having me on. Thank you and, for sharing. And, and Be well. besides being a full-time mother, which is enough, um, for clothing. are you still doing your, your makeup <laughs> line and all those things that you were doing before? Yeah. So um, my last, uh, you know, my, my clothing line will be relaunched, um, completely relaunched um, here soon. I also am uh, starting up a media company that will be coming really soon, but I'm not going to say exactly what that is yet. So just stay tuned. And uh, you might even see me on t- uh, TV on a, on a different show. So stay oh, tuned. And, uh, wow. and hopefully uh, you'll see me moving forward in that direction. So. That's exciting. I'm going to make, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, make Susan, good things to happen. I'm going to make Susan come with me in July. Say hi to you. Yeah. Okay? We'll yeah, see yeah, yes. send you okay, all the time. healing and love. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank and you. And kiss the babies. 
Yes, of course. <laughs> All right. Happy. And have, right, a, bye, guys. have a happy Mother's Day, even though it will have passed. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, happy Mother's Day to you, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Amber. Seriously. We'll talk soon. Bye, you guys. Thank you, Shelly. Well done. Thank you. We'll see you all next time. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Thanks for listening and subscribing on your favorite platforms. Rate us five stars and tell a friend. Also, be sure to visit drdrew.com for the latest news. We'll tell you where you can find all of our health-related content, including the latest in-depth series, The History of Opium. You can now listen to it on the Weekly Infusion podcast. We have some great and very interesting and appropriate interviews with key historical players in the history of opium. We're excited about our newest podcast, Dr. Drew After Dark, which has been described as a dark web reboot of Loveline. It's the hottest guest spot for all the most popular comedians. Beware, it is for a mature audience. It is kind of a reboot of Loveline. You can hear the episodes first in a podcast form Thursday. Then on Friday, you can watch all the video episodes when the YouTube page drops on the Your Mom's House YouTube channel. New episodes every week. Subscribe, tell a friend. Also on Doctor.com, you can find Swole Patrol, our health and fitness podcast with Mike Catherwood. If you want something a bit more refined that will expand your intellectual horizons, please subscribe to the Dr. Drew Podcast, where I feature a wide variety of very interesting and important guests. Get in-depth interviews there. Last but not least, me and Adam, Adam and Dr. Drew Show Podcast. It's a lot of fun, and we are still together, and you can get it five days a week. So go to drdrew.com, please tell a friend, and we thank you for it. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.